Hello, welcome to more of the Richard Herring podcast feed, powered by Acast Plus. Uh, hope you're enjoying all these tour podcasts. There is still a chance to catch some, though they're selling out very fast. Uh, we, in fact, Sheffield on the 7th of March sold out. Uh, but check the theatre website for returns. Uh, Monday, the 11th of March, Adam Buxton and Lemsis A in the Leicester Square Theatre sold out. But you can get tickets for the Warwick Arts Centre, where I'm talking to Lindsay Santoro and the Exploding Heads internet phenomenon, and at Bedford on the 21st, where I'm talking to Olaf Falafel and my old friend Al Murray. I'm at Glasgow uh, on the 27th of March, sold out, Susie McCabe and Fred McCauley, and then at Hull on the 28th of March with Tommy Cannon and Bob Morton. Uh, there are three tickets left as I talk to you so get there quick if you want to come and see that also this richardherring.com slash come and see me on tour doing stand-up for the first time in six years richardherring.com slash ballback coming lots of places around England and some places in Scotland uh, and that's about it for the moment all right sit back relax and enjoy rahalastapa Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Life is made up of many gorgeous moments. Cherish them all, big and small, with Blue Nile. Whether it's for yourself or a loved one, Blue Nile's unrivaled selection of expertly crafted fine jewelry and statement pieces help make all your moments sparkle. Blue Nile's experts are on hand to guide you, and their diamond guarantee ensures you get the highest quality at the best price. Celebrate a life well-lived in the most radiant way, and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I, I see you just about listen to Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre podcast. I like that podcast too. It's good, isn't it? It's very enjoyable in audio format and it's free. What a nice guy Richard Herring is. Is there any way we could repay him? You know, I think there is. Uh, who is this mysterious man to telling all these stories? Uh, you can um, go to gofasterstripe.com where you can, if you wish, purchase video of all of these podcasts. It's £15 to get the whole series of seven at least podcasts or £3.50 per single episode. Even if you can just afford to buy one, even if you don't watch it, that would be very helpful for us uh, in future projects. So go to gofasterstripe.com if you want to financially contribute. Otherwise, just sit back and enjoy this Sony Award bronze winning podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. Please welcome a man who, if you heckle him, or even if you don't, he'll hit you with an electrified tennis racket. It's Richard Herring! Thank you! Thank you very much. Oh, you're much better than last week's audience already. Hey, get it? Uh, so, welcome to... Every time. I love it. Every time. So, welcome to Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre Podcast, or as all the cool kids are calling, Rahelastapur. Oh, you're good. Even better than last week. So, how many times do you think I can do it before no one laughs? Uh, and uh, we're here with a fantastic crowd. There's a lady who got electrocuted. Ruth, was it? It's good that I remember your name, because it would be rude to electrocute you and not know. Uh, what? Well, uh, 
You don't remember my... Well, you probably don't remember anything after that. <laughs> after last week. And who's this you're with? What's your name? It's your daughter. I was going to say sisters. There's a, a lot, an obvious lie. Uh, so, what? Because <laughs> you look much older than her. Slam! It's a triple whammy. He's done it. What's, what's your name? Saren. Saren, like the poison. <laughs> yeah, named after the poison. Saren, like Lauren, like the, like the malt loaf. I'm guessing you've had all this throughout your whole life. I'll, I'll try and think of an original one. Uh, like Soren Bonk, the previous lead singer of the band uh, Six Day Riot. Ever had that one before? Thank you. Uh, so, I think that was his name. So, uh, check it out on Wikipedia. Fact fans, what, what do you do for... Are you a student or are you... You're a, you're a student here at the Leicester Square Theatre. We're, in a way, we're all students. I'm the professor, and I t- but I'm allowed to have sex with the students. Uh, if I is it all right with you, Mum? Uh, so, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Sorry, what was that? You're not Sinead O'Connor. You're not Sinead O'Connor, so your daughter can fuck who she likes. If, uh, if she wants to fuck a disgusting fat old man whose legs don't really work because he's just run a half marathon, you could do that. You could do that. Your mum allows you. That's. I just want you to know that. But no, I don't think she wants to. So. Uh, Let's, uh, let's have a look at her embarrassed face, though. Just, uh, there we go. Just, and that's the, mum, that's the mum who should be taken as social services. Are you related to these people? You're, a, you're her aunt. You're her aunt. You're her sister. That's good. Good. Uh, what, what's your name? My name is Your name's Lucy. And what do you do for a living, Lucy? I'm a producer. You're a producer of what? Documentary. Documentary, I don't Can't get All I could do voiceovers. And here we What kind of documentaries did you do? You work for Al Jazeera. <laughs> so you're kind of used to seeing the old electrocuting people just being electrocuted. And here we are. Are you pro Al Qaeda or anti Al Qaeda? Personally speaking, or you're not allowed to say. You, oh, yeah. <laughs> for, for saying you're anti Al Qaeda. Uh, so, I'm, ter- I'm a terrible man. I am, I'm, I'm off. I was going to do a voiceover for you, but then I realised, you know, I just, it would just get worse. I was going to audition. Do you think I could ever work for Al Jazeera? Very yeah, they seem to take anyone on. Uh, <laughs> it's where people go to die, isn't it? Uh, so, uh, old, old David Frost, eh? That was a David Frost joke there. Take, we'll cut that out. Uh, so... <laughs> I'm a terrible person. Uh, so I'm just a terrible person. I was going to talk about, before actually, I was going to talk about, um, uh, you can sponsor me, by the way, for the, did I mention that, for the uh, run I did two weeks ago now? Uh, I'll go to ukvirginmoney.com slash Richard Herring and you can sponsor and that money will go to Scope, which is fantastic. You can get uh, t-shirts now as well of the, of the show. Uh, from richardherring.cottoncart.com you can get Shrek t-shirts, everything all the old stuff that I don't do anymore uh, I was going to talk about um, uh, when I was in Armenia I, I'd forgotten about this but I had my fortune told by uh, an, an, an old Armenian woman uh, who uh, it was quite, we had to drive, drive for hours out into the countryside and there was this woman she would, um, she'd melted wax over your head into a bowl luckily uh, a bowl of water and then she would read your fortune from the shapes of the wax that went into the bowl. Uh, and the first thing she said to me uh, was, uh, it was translated, uh, but she said to me, if you, you, you had an accident two days ago. 
And I said, no, I didn't. He said, was it two weeks ago? I said, no. Two months ago, I said, uh, no. I said, it's two years ago. I said, no, I haven't. Because I don't have many accidents. And, I hadn't, and she said, there's definitely an accident uh, with a number two. And surely that's, that's happened. <laughs> that's happened to us all. That just, doesn't it? Ruth, just sometimes you've had a night out. <laughs> Do you think it's going to be one thing? It's something else. That's, uh, but it was... She was, everything she said was wrong. She talked about next door neighbours, everything was, I was really disappointed because I don't believe in fortune telling, but I kind of wanted, I wanted to go and then be leaving, shaking, going, how did, how did she know? Uh, everything was wrong. She said that three people lived next door to me, and that wasn't true. Uh, and then she said, you don't believe in fortune telling, do you? <laughs> Which was correct. So she got one thing right. And she said, um, you're the kind of person who doesn't light candles in church. And I said, that is correct. She was, she was on a running run of form now. Uh, and, then, and then she got really, it was like they turned really nasty, going, you're a, you're a spiritually bankrupt person. You're floating in an ocean of despair. Uh, you have no spirit. You know, there is a saint wanting to look after you, but you won't take his advice. So it kind of turned quite dark. Like the, like the wax was angry with me. And I thought, you know, I just said that I didn't like candles in church. You'd think the wax would like me, wouldn't you? It's like, I don't murder its cousins. <laughs> Other people are burning up wax willy-nilly. So it's a bit spooky, but that was great. But apparently there's a saint looking after me. I don't know which one. That would have been useful information. Anyway, that's apropos of nothing. So I tell you about, I thought thought the number two thing, get a laugh, should have left it there. Uh, Cut that out along with the David Frost. (laughs) A lot of this is ad-libbed, you have to understand. And I am an awful... It just shows the heart that I am an awful person. I think I've warmed you enough up for our next guest. <laughs> I've got them on a tide of excitement. Uh, he is... He is probably best known as the weatherman who appears in the TV in a back shot of, an ep- of one of the Harry Potter films, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. He was also a shoe salesman in Revolver. Will you please welcome Miles Chup, ladies and gentlemen. That's what he's best known for. He's coming through here, maybe he isn't. Oh, he's... No, there he is, Smiles Chuck. There you come. You've come in, take, pick up your microphone. There's Miles Chuck there. Was that the right place to come through? That in the middle, yeah, you seem right. to take a long time. Well, I panicked. tribute to Eric Morecambe. Yes, well, I, dare say, I just assumed that I would be coming in there, so I sort of walked into a pillar and then... <laughs> I sort of thought, that can't be... What, maybe it's an elaborate trick. This is sort of... Way this podcast works is a series of confusing sight gags. Um, and what, what would be wrong with that? Nothing would be wrong with that. Would be fantastic. Uh, so, uh, do, you, do you have many memories of your work on the Harry Potter set? Uh, y- yes. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Because most people, that's what most people. It's yeah. what, to be honest, it's what Chris Evans' son is interested in as well. Is uh, he's interested in a lot of things that I'm interested in about you. Uh, he, he asked, "How was it? How was it being?" Not what was it like? How was it being in Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix? Is his question. Well, it was an enormous, uh, enormous privilege. Uh, no, what, what <laughs> happened? I, when I first moved to London, I, about 2006, I think I had an agent, and she would uh, send me to. I still have this agent. Uh, it's nothing upsetting's happened. Uh, and, <laughs> and you have these things with general meetings when you go and meet a casting agent, and you say, "Hello, this is what I look and sound like, and these are the sort of things that I'd love to do one day." And so I went to this place in Twickenham, and it was a really hot day, really humid day, and I thought, God, I don't know how... Oh, God, this is going to be embarrassing. I'm going to be so sweaty when I get there. And I sort of tried to find sort of light clothing and linen and stuff. And I got off the train at St Margaret's, and I was absolutely 
sweat was pouring down me and I sort of concentrated on drying myself up in the gents and I went into the meeting and I was dry when I went into the meeting and she started chatting to me and I started really really sweating <laughs> god this is embarrassing I, I wonder maybe she hasn't noticed it and then she suddenly went would you I know you've only just come here for a chat but would you mind awfully auditioning for the Harry Potter film while you're here <laughs> and I you know I didn't actually have anything else on that day and I was like yeah alright let's let's stick something on tape uh, and then I and then I got uh, no I was very excited obviously and then I, I got this thing so my agent said yeah they want you to play a weatherman I said I don't, is there a weatherman in Harry Potter I've not read Harry <laughs> Potter she said yeah there's a weatherman in it they want you to play the weatherman so the, the scripts were top secret you can't see it so I went to this place which is leaves that are somewhere and I get there and they go right you're playing the weatherman and the, what's happened is it's a story device and uh, there's been there's, there's some terribly hot weather and the weatherman is sweating um, very very heavily and that's what it was. I was going, it's hot on this screen. And they were sort of squirting as much water on me and I had yeah. sort of preset uh, sweaty underarms. So actually that incredible, uh, you know, poor homeostasis uh, stood, me, stood me in good stead <laughs> well, that day. It yeah. sounds like they'd be annoyed though. I think they only booked you because they thought, that man is really sweaty. Yeah. We'll save, think of the money we'll save on spraying water onto him. And he'll turn up not no sweat at all. What, we're going to have to spray him like an ordinary yeah, actor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yes, things are understandably tight in all the Warner Brothers uh, <laughs> franchises. Yeah. No, it's, I, I bought this from uh, Harry Potter World. This uh, book was his oh, right, which is yes, Slytherin notebook because I don't like Harry Potter, so I bought the Slytherin. You don't like it? Yes. Oh, right, right. I don't like it, so I got the enemy of Harry Potter. I've so not actually um, read it. Sorry, I don't know what, what, what it is. You haven't read Harry Potter? Did you watch the film? I did. You I were in. Yeah, yeah, I did. I went with some friends to the uh, cinema in Swiss Cottage, and they made the mistake. I hadn't told them how tiny my my <laughs> screen time would be, so they went way when I came on <laughs> and uh, missed my entire performance. Um, yeah. And bizarrely, I think there was someone else with an equally small role in the film in the same screening. Because about an hour later, a similar group of people the other side of the cinema suddenly went, "Way!" Oh, sorry, Ian, sorry. <laughs> Um, and uh, mainly I've got you on because I want to talk to you about uh, the children's television show Balamori, which is right. definitely the best thing you've ever done and ever will do, let's face it. Yeah, that could be, that could be right. Yeah. Uh, and the reason uh, I'm quite obsessed with this is kind of slight, semi-tragic in that um, I, I, when it was on about ten years ago, yep. I, I was drinking quite heavily most of the time and yeah. I would often wake up at six o'clock in the morning to drink well no because I was you know it just like I drunk so much it always made me wake up and I'd always slightly have the fear I'd always become slightly uh, I'm feeling really you know like when I don't know if you've uh, ever had I don't know how much you drink uh, but when you just get to the point where you wake up oh. and everything's confusing and you're not sure whether you've kind of got to the heart of the world and the world is a terrifying panic inducing place yeah, I yeah. don't know. I think when I set out drinking, I'm clearly less ambitious about what I'm sort of <laughs> going to achieve philosophically yeah. out of the evening. Yeah. I like to get to the point where I start to see the world as a, a tissue of lies uh, uh, yeah, in, yeah. A, in a, a terrifying universe. But at six o'clock, to try and come down from this panic attack that I would usually have every day about six o'clock, I would turn on TV, and the only thing that was on TV at that time was CBBC. Right. And so I spent a lot of time slightly drunk watching Balamori and Big Cook, Little Cook, which, to be honest, I'd prefer, and if I yeah, could get good, those guys on, I would get them. <laughs> uh, but I couldn't, I couldn't, get, I couldn't get them. Uh, <laughs> but also, the Big, Look, Big Cook, Little Cook, the little one is actually normal size, 
but the big one is like a giant. Is a giant. That's how they. That's how they do the special yeah. effects. Sorry, in real life. Yeah, in that, real life, yeah. the little one is actually six foot tall. Yeah, but a big cook. But and big can, cook ben. can fly, can he? Yeah, he can yeah. fly. <laughs> that's special. That's not real. But the the <laughs> other one is actually massively giant. So I couldn't actually physically get him into the Leicester Square Theatre. And he's too big. You can book. You can book just one of them. Yeah, and it's not. That's not going to work, is it? Just have little cook. Well, not on this budget, but someone could. Yeah. <laughs> Good. I think you'd probably book them now. Uh, it wasn't like they were big stars at the time. But anyway, I'd be, uh, these shows are very repetitive. You know that? Um, uh, I don't know if you know this about your children's television programs you've appeared in. Uh, I went to Longleat, so I just uh, accidentally spat something up out of my mouth there. And I don't know if that, and it fell onto the floor there. It, it was probably hand. just a sort of bit of your sort of residual craziness. Some of the old. <laughs> Some of the old paranoia, even talking about your terrible dark drinking days, is beginning to set some of it off. It was a little bit of my liver coming up for air, as it reminded. But they're very uh, repetitive because yeah. they're very repetitive. Uh, Balamori would, uh, especially Big Cook, Little Cook, but Balamori had um, the opening song. Which did you ever meet the, the kid who sang the opening song in Balamori? Because well, uh, he, can't, in he the... couldn't pronounce the word nursery. That is uh, that's. No, not, not so many Balamori fans in. The yeah. kids at home are loving this. Going to church or to nursery. That's what he says. See, now I, you're like... Yes, I don't... I'm so, I feel, honestly, despite the fact that you've never seen it sober, yeah. I feel less familiar with the programme <laughs> than you are. I was never quite convinced what the, lyric, the lyrics were. I mean, yeah. my own thing, I played, as you remember, the uh, inventor, yeah. and it, the lyrics were up to the castle, inventing with Archer, he's ever so something, and ever so... And I always... I always wondered what it was, <laughs> but I clearly wasn't curious enough at any point while we were filming 253 episodes to ask what it was. It sounds in retrospect almost as if I was sort of coasting through the whole experience, but I can't imagine that had been right. But it's very popular with, uh, in, in Longleat, in the safari park. With the animals. The, uh, yeah, <laughs> the gorillas. It calms, it calms them down, yeah. The gorillas have TVs and they love kids' TV because it's repetitive. <laughs> and they like the colours of stuff, which they would love in your show because, again, that was... It uh, was very brightly you coloured. Were very, you were in pink. You wore pink all the time. I did. I, wore, yeah. I lived in a pink castle. Um, yeah. yeah, everything about it. It was, it was basically to change the way children see the colour pink. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was sort of superheroes can wear pink too, kind of... Alpha male, butch guys, people you wouldn't mess with, people that <laughs> the sort of people you'd turn to if you were in trouble on the bus, that sort of person can wear can wear pink. So I don't know if I enjoyed it on a different level to the kids that watched the show. I shouldn't have thought so. No, it no. was quite mind blowing, but I did become quite obsessive uh, with it. Did they did they ever find it? I watched them all, they never did find out what the story was in Balamori. That was the I, I, my theory is that you were all in purgatory uh, and were waiting. <laughs> It was kind of an odd situation you found yourself in. I think already you spent longer thinking about this programme than the people who own the format and dreamed it up, Richard. Uh, but yeah, the whole thing uh, was, was, a, was an analogical programme. Yeah, it was about purgatory. It was about social issues. I was, for instance, I was a sort of laird in it, so I had inherited wealth. I lived in a castle, PC Plummer, Miss Hooley. That's the state sector. They lived in bungalows. It was all... <laughs> It was about understanding how economics works and what's many of the things that are wrong with society and we could change and many of those things that are aspects of society that uh, can't change, sadly. And do you have the phone number of the first Josie Jump? And if not, more reluctantly, do you have the phone number of the second Josie Jump? (laughs) 
how rude you are. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Just do you know that thing when you I've, I've, you go and you get a new phone and yeah. they say, hey, can you put all the num- I don't know how to do it. Can you put the numbers? And they go, yeah, yeah, we put them all on the new one. And then about six months later, you go think, oh, the, half the bloody numbers have come yeah. off. So having changed my phone however many times since I did that programme, which was... You know, ten years ago, Richard. Um, I, uh, although I've never, you know, never, never, never lost interest in it. Uh, I, I think at some point I have lost those numbers. Yeah. I am only going to talk about Buki Balamori. I just, I think I should oh, right. lay my colours on the mask now. They're pink, and I'm going to. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be. Oh, I'll become quite the live wire. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, young Ben Evans has a couple of questions about it. Hello, Miles Jupp. Hello, Ben Evans. Or should I say, Archie the Inventor? Ah, you, you've you got me, ru- Ben. You ruined my childhood. Yeah. <laughs> None of your inventions worked. Any new projects of yours? <laughs> Uh, I ruined his childhood because none of my inventions were. I think that's a, well, yeah. He wasn't. He wasn't a great inventor, but well, also the other thing about his inventions, he's 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 sort of lying. A lot of things that my character invented in that program were things that were already commercially available. <laughs> And then we would stick a bit of black tape over the sort of trade name so that there was no sort of infringement. So if he couldn't get the things to work that are commercially available in shops, then I, you know, I sort of worry for his future in a number of ways. Um, and likewise, if he attempted to copy everything that my character... I, and, uh, and um, you know, I, I don't, to be honest, have the, the statistics to hand. There's an awful lot of information about this programme I seem to have... Uh, forgotten, yeah. but uh, yes, uh, no. What a what a what a what a sad story. But I, I, I'm sorry to have ruined his life. Okay, in, in, then, in so far as I have. A follow-up Balamori question. We nearly threw all of his questions now. Oh really? Uh, yeah. What is your favourite character on Balamori? Not yourself. <laughs> now is that is that your Italian? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He says not yourself. Uh, Edie McCready is my oh, my, my favourite. Yeah. There you are. Do, you know, do I have to show my working, or am I allowed just to just You're just, just, just to, to be confident? Like, yeah. Edie McCready, who drove the minibus around, she was the bus the... driver. Yeah, yeah. Just I can't remember a song. I can't remember your song. To be honest, like I remember is climbing up a magical ladder, painting, and I just can't just, stop. Yeah, 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 that's uh, Spencer. Yeah, from, uh, Rod, Rod from Las Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> Good. There you are. Seems like my audience isn't as interested in Balamori as I am. <laughs> Not, not, not just your audience, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> so let's we'll talk about we'll talk about something else. <laughs> but uh, you know, it seems a shame. Seems no, no. Well, it well, seems well, a shame. Well, you can sandwich it. Throw, throw some more questions in at the end. No, no. I'll, I'll move on. I, I know when I'm a defeated man. Uh, your dad, interestingly, because you play a lot of vicars and stuff. Your dad is a vicar. He's a United Reformed Church minister. That's right. some kind of vicar. Yeah, it's a, yeah, minister. Yeah, yeah, sort of chilled out congregationalist. If you're into uh, denominational delineations, which I you am. don't, I suspect you are. <laughs> I am. See, my dad was a headmaster. He was my headmaster. Yeah. So was it was it having a dad as a minister? Was that did you feel under pressure to behave well as a child or uh, be at, religious? Or? At times, yeah. Well, we definitely go to church every every yeah. Sunday and Sunday school. In fact. I sort of used to think it was unfair sometimes. I mean, my brother and I, we would, Ed, we would go to church every Sunday and then there'd be sort of prizes at the end of, I don't know, the academic year or something. And I remember my brother and I winning the regular attendance prizes <laughs> at Sunday school. Even at the time thinking, well, of course we did. We haven't, 
This isn't. You're not a, re- a rewarding us for our own for our own initia- uh, initiative and efforts here. But uh, yeah, it's also that thing. People assume uh, members of the clergy are sort of very easily shocked and stuff. Oh, 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 you know, you're in some play or some sort of student improv show. And, oh, don't say anything rude tonight, Miles. His dad's here. Oh, he'll be terribly shocked. But you know, people that work in that line of work, they're not easily shocked. They have to be sort of bleak, difficult things, like someone from the police knocks on the door and says, uh, there's a family down the road and the dad's just been killed and I, I don't know how to tell them. I've only been doing this job for two days. Could you do it? And he goes, yeah, okay, and goes and does it. Or someone says, can you visit my uncle? He lives in a DOS house and we haven't seen him for four months. Uh, and so he goes and does it. So there's an element of that where, um, yeah, you sort of think, they're sort of slightly more aware of real life than perhaps are portrayed in yeah. Derek Nimmo sitcoms. <laughs> plus, plus the Bible's pretty full of sex and violence. And yeah, yeah, and anger. And yeah. God's pretty nasty. Betrayal, yeah. 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 So they're used to it. Once they've read the Bible, the real world... The real world pales into insignificance. <laughs> yeah, compared yeah. to God's anger and the stuff he gets. So those plagues of locusts and stuff he sends... Yeah, or, uh, do you think it's a plague that you've been visited upon here in this theatre? You're, it might you're be. constantly attacked by <laughs> insects. We're ready for tennis players. We've got this as well. We've got we've got a spray. Mm-hmm. That's more long term, I think. Listen, if something turns up that needs to be killed, yeah, I'm very happily would kill an insect on your behalf. Okay. <laughs> I feel yeah, I would I would take on that mantle okay, with good. relish. But we've been lucky so far. We've been there was only been one midge. And last week it was proper full on, two weeks ago it was proper full on uh, blue bottles. Um, and uh, I've got, this is another thing that's a bear, a bear bug of mine. You're on Celebrity Mastermind? Oh, yes, yeah. yeah and you won Celebrity Mastermind. That's right, yeah. And you're, have you been on it and not, yeah. not won? Yeah. I didn't, I didn't honestly many, didn't know you could go on it and not win. How many, po- how many, <laughs> how many lo- points did you get? Uh, tw- 27 or 8? How many did you get? 35. You got 35 and you didn't win? Yeah. Who, are you, who are you up against? <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> How on earth? You must have been was, up against some absolute... It was Hilary Kay from the Antiques Roadshow and she chose Chippendale as her specialist subject. Oh, yeah. Right. And what did you choose? The I chose, Rasp- I chose Rasputin. Right. Which what? I didn't know how to... St- I had to learn all of it because I couldn't speak Russian. So I had to learn everything phonetically. Were you on Russian Mastermind? What did you have to learn? <laughs> you can learn about Rasputin without they, speaking Russian. You need to be so. able to say all the Russian names. I had to be able to say the name of the street he was on, though later I found out I could have used the English translation, which I didn't know. Pop Roskovskosko or something it was. It took about 15 minutes to say it. I think you did well to come second. Did, <laughs> I did. Did, did you come second? I did come second. And who, by... did, you, who did you beat off? Uh, <laughs> uh, what's his name? The footballer? Uh, no, I, literally no idea. Even, uh, if you, even if you say it, I won't know. Um, some, some actress remembered it. It was an actress, you know, I'm going to beat them. Yeah. Uh, and uh, <laughs> 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 Unless all the questions are about themselves. Uh, and, uh, and a footballer who didn't know anything about his football. Uh, I want to say Alan Hansen, but it wasn't him. What was his name, the bloke that I was on Celebrity Mastermind with? This is, they're useless to today's audience. They don't know any, they don't know any facts. What was your specialist subject? Uh, it was the cricketer Michael Afton. Ah. Yeah. What is Michael Afton's middle name? Andrew. Mm-hmm. Don't know. <laughs> don't know if it is, but... Because I had to learn how to pronounce that at the time. <laughs> I wouldn't but you see, I am much better at Celebrity Mastermind than you, but I don't have a trophy. 
you see the injustice in that? And see yeah. why I'm so annoyed. Well, I don't think of it as injustice. I mean, you you know, it was, it was fair and square. I Do mean, you think you, you just did enough? You thought, I know, I just need to get 27 points. I'll take my foot off the gas. Uh, no, I no. just, I just, I just chose something deliberately that I already knew lots of things about, <laughs> yeah. such as the language that people generally tend to talk <laughs> about it in. And then, and then I did a little bit of. Uh, there's, there's only two main source textbooks about Michael Atherton, and I've, yeah, I've devoured, devoured, <laughs> and I've already devoured them. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I enjoyed it though. I think yeah. I was on with Rachel Riley from Countdown. Wow, she's clever though. Yeah, did she do maths? Did you hard? Did she do sums involving the numbers 75, 150, 25? Uh, you'd, you'd hope. No, uh, no, football or something. I mean, I, you know, my eye, you know, it was all swimming before my eyes. I was phoned. I don't think... Uh, I still dream about it. I had a terrible... I, I need psychological counselling after it, seriously. After it? Yeah. Yeah. I had a dream yeah. where I was... Well, you can't go on Celebrity Mastermind and expect yourself suddenly to no longer need psychological counselling. <laughs> which, that was never going to help you as much as that. People do it mainly for profile rather than the effects it will have on their mental health. Where do you, where do you, keep, your, uh, where do you keep your Celebrity Mastermind trophy? I don't, I don't know. I, don't, I, yeah, I would say you don't. That's what doesn't. If I had one, I would be enshrined somewhere. Special, it'd be, I'd made a special monument you, for it. Uh, do you want mine? No, I don't. <laughs> I don't want it, but I deserve it. That is. Ah, yeah. <laughs> oh, bastard. Whoa, is this, is this aimed at me? Is this, I can't believe the form that your jealousy is taking, Richard. I literally, it was just the luck of the draw, to be honest. 27 points was enough to win that day. Don't hurt me. Okay. You got lucky this time. I only have to be lucky once. Uh, so, that's right, I was quoting the IRA. Well spotted. So, uh, that's what the IRA said when... Uh, Brian, that, Brian when, bombing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, Brian bombing. I've, I've done the reading. Yeah, that was... It's things that I was told that I'd need to know about before coming on this show. Richard's, <laughs> Richard's obsession with Balamori and the IRA. <laughs> I think... I don't approve of most of what the IRA did. But no. that was a fucking cool thing to say. But it proved out they were wrong. Mrs Thatcher defeated them because they were never lucky. Didn't he? Did, uh, they didn't kill Mrs Thatcher. They said, you were lucky this time. We only had to be lucky once. That is the coolest thing a terrorist has ever said. And I'm including Osama bin Laden in that. When he said, <laughs> fuck yeah. <laughs> I, knew, I knew those things would go down. Hooray! The audience today do not like me being offensive. <laughs> they really oh, yeah, don't. Yeah. Usually my audience, like, I think I've got... Some Miranda fans have come in, and maybe some Rev no, fans. No, it's fine, no, okay. it's fine, really. Maybe some Ballymore fans. Oh, no, yeah, definitely no, I not. Suspect. <laughs> and no, it's not. Shall I, if I, if, I, if I get my shirt ripped off, will you forgive me for the David Frost and IRA based jokes that I have done? If no, you get. They won't. What, what's that a reference to? I made, earlier on, I made a, a joke that didn't work about a sick joke about David Frost. Oh yeah, don't worry. Right. Uh, so you, I've, I've lost them. You, you're going you're gonna to have to. You're going to have to get them back. You have recently. <laughs> you have recently been in John Stewart's film that he's been. He took time off to. Is that his name? Yeah. Yeah, John uh, Stewart. John Stewart yeah. from America, The Daily Show. That's right. Yeah. You've been in his film. Uh, yes, it's called Rosewater. Yes. It's about uh, Iranian elections. I went to Jordan. This was great. I went to Jordan for about three or four days to film one scene in which I had, I think, three lines that was set in London. Um, but then the nice, I got to go and do that it was absolutely fantastic yeah 
Uh, did, where, which part of Jordan did they use to double uh, up for? Was it in a studio? Or was uh, it? A man, yeah, it was an interior. Wow. It was an interior shot. Yeah, they don't have a sort of miniature Houses of Parliament there that you stand <laughs> sort of quite far away from and it just sort of. Just, we've just got to sort this out a bit because it's a bit complicated, the maths. But if you. No, do you know what? Stand near it, then it will look. No, hang on, no, come. No, it's not. It was an interior thing. And, um, you know, it's one of, the, one of the many. As I learned when I was working on the Harry Potter franchise. Um, <laughs> You know, you can make the inside of one thing look like the inside of another thing that's also inside. The normal people don't know that, but film people, we know that. We understand, we understand how that works. Yeah. So, did you meet John Stewart in real life? Yeah, he's the, he's the, director. the director of the film, yeah. so he'd have to be... <laughs> he'd have to be... Either I'd have to be really up myself, I'm afraid I don't, I don't speak to the director. I've, yeah. I've done the audition, that's how I intend to do it. Uh, any notes need to come via my people. Uh, handwritten, please. No, I, yeah, I make a point of introducing myself to the director uh, yeah. so I know who to believe. Um, <laughs> Uh, and he's a very nice guy. He's got that sort of Armando Iannucci quality of being the sort of effortlessly being the sort of funniest guy in the room all the time. And he's a very, I mean, he's a very, he's a massive cultural figure, uh, John Stewart, especially so we'd run into Americans if we were out somewhere, you know, at the hotel or something. And, you know, people would just see him and get very, very excited. And then we filmed one day here in London. Um, somewhere on an escalator in the city of London. Didn't have any of those in Jordan? Uh, this this was one that really needed to look like it was in it was in London, and it also it was it, I had to film it. I, this is sort of boring if you don't like cricket, but it was the first day of the last Test match of the Ashes, and I'd had a ticket for nine months or something, and then I was going to do the film the day before, and then go to the Ashes, and the week before, my agent rang up and said, "You're going to hate this, but you've got to leave the cricket to do a movie." And I thought, "Do you know what? That is annoying, actually." But if I <laughs> If my teenage self heard that one day you'll have to leave a test match to go and do a movie, I'd have thought, that is almost as good as being in Balamori. <laughs> Especially if the movie was on an escalator. An escalator love, movie, I lo- yeah. I loved escalators when I was a kid. Uh, now, I, it's, but you've got your nerves gone now. You just can't, <laughs> you can't get the enjoyment out of them. I'm never sure if I'm going to go up or down them. It's well, an absolute know, minefield. I've, yeah. got a very, uh, I've got a very strong memory of being quite young and being... A, I, really, I, was, I was quite brave when I was really little and I lost my bravery entirely. And I, and I was quite little and I, was, I got, became obsessed with escalators and, jump, and playing on them, getting yeah. onto them. And they, you know, the leap you had to make to get on them, it was quite scary when you were little to make that first leap to get on. And if you were from Somerset and seeing a moving staircase. Yeah, yeah. So it was like being in Harry Potter before Harry Potter existed. Uh, <laughs> and I remembered playing on, a, on a, an escalator and then a man from the shop coming furiously saying, stop playing on that escalator and really telling me off. And is that one of the one phrases of that, that's in your ricochet? When you wake up after a terrible evening on the booze, is yeah. that, stop playing on the escalators, Richard? Is that one of the phrases ricocheting around your poor, rotting head? It is, yeah. you should have let me play on that. Uh, I, I got on an escalator with my... I was taking my, two of my children somewhere recently, and I, I got... I hadn't before taken them both on an escalator, and I was sort of thinking about how this was going to work as I approached it, but forgetting, because it's a moving thing, you have a finite amount of time to make that decision, and I got it wrong. I got onto the escalator with my, my daughter, and then I turned around and put my son on it, but of course, I was moving away from him. I could, no, <laughs> I could no longer reach, and he was standing on his own at the top of the escalator, shouting at me, and I didn't... Yeah. So uh, I basically had a sort of 
panic attack uh, yeah. of the sort that you're worryingly familiar with. Uh, <laughs> uh, but luckily, a nice gentleman said, I will help him down, and yeah. sort of took his hand like a sort of deus ex machina, and the, uh, the moment was saved. But for a That's moment, for about, for about 35 feet, I was the worst parent ever. Yeah. It was like Sophie's Choice, basically, what you had there, which... <laughs> Which kid? Which kid am I going to stab? Am I going to leave my That's daughter strange. here on the escalator, go back and save my son, or leave my son behind? That's, these, this is what they enjoy, Richard. They enjoy they enjoy the literary references, not your not your love of terrorists. Yeah, this is more more, more of this, please. That's what this noise love, is saying. I don't love terrorists. I just sometimes appreciate some of the things they say, and a few of their occasionally more inventive terrorist atrocities. I yeah. also enjoy, like when they put bombs in breasts. They haven't done it yet, but it's my idea. If they do it, it's my idea. If they do it between this being recorded and this being released, (laughs) you will sound like some horrible, sort of nasty, unpleasant soothsayer, won't you? Yeah, Yeah. sort of. Have you ever been to a fortune teller? Because I was talking about being to a fortune teller. uh, Because I've had two, because I've had another experience. I've got a saint that looks after me. I also have a a red Indian looking after me. I would have said Native American. I'm I'm quoting the woman who's... I went to... um, I went to. Uh, I was. Go- I was going out with an actress who was quite spiritual and into yeah. uh, crystals. And this, ane- this anecdote would work better with a name. Who was it? It was Julia Sawala. Oh yeah. And uh, <laughs> I have done it in one of my shows, so people would know that. But she was. She's quite into homeopathy I'm, I'm, and crystals. I'm kind of. She believed. She believed in fairies. Genuinely believed in fairies. I'm not. But she went out with one. <laughs> hey. <laughs> hey. And, uh, oh, Twenty-five minutes. I'm warming up. <laughs> We've got, we got a long time, don't we? We could, we could be here for it until they are really laughing, we're saying. <laughs> then that laughter was just them trying to make it end. By, that, does, that one doesn't count. That was a false laugh. Uh, we, we got, she's a very lovely person. Mm. Me and her didn't really get on in the end, it, it turned out, because I'm very rational and she's very spiritual. I'm 95% certain there are no fairies at all. I like, I like medicine when I'm ill. Uh, but uh, we went to... We were doing a Tai Chi lesson together. Um, <laughs> which is... I must have loved her, because I've never done one before. It was just the two of us, and the woman said, I can see spirits from beyond the grave. And I said, oh, that's good, well done. Probably, come, that hat probably comes in handy. <laughs> Be good on this show, because that's one of my questions. And then she said, I can see your spirit guide. And me and Julius Wilder had the same spirit guide who was a Native American yeah. called Running Bear. Yeah, right, I was, yes, I was yes, a bit I embarrassed. Well, yeah. I was a bit, bit clichéd. Uh, and he'd been watching over us, and he'd brought us together because he knew we were soulmates. Which is nice, isn't it? Right, that, is, that must have been reassuring, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, but A, I'd fancied Julius Wilder famously for about ten years before I went out with her, and we right. worked in the same job. You'd think any spirit guide trying to get us together could have done them a bit quicker could have just yeah, got us together straight like a fortnight I would imagine it would take to engineer that well maybe if it hadn't been for his invention, it, intervention it would have taken even longer for <laughs> her to warm to the idea of going out with you and allowing you into her life yeah. and indeed exercise classes <laughs> yes <laughs> but also we weren't soulmates because we didn't get on and we split up about three months later oh, so right. why, did, why did Running Bear bring us together to, I hate to, him He's a to, to spite you because he was tired of being referred to in a sort of politically incorrect fashion <laughs> well, by also, fortune tellers and thought I'm going to make a point about this <laughs> it made me wonder why so many spirit guides are Native Americans why they're helping out Europeans who 
wiped out their culture. It's, I mean, it's like they're either very giving and forgiving or they're just doing it so they can bring together inadequate, you know, incompatible couples. Well, I suspect the latter, based yeah. on the rather small uh, amount of evidence we have in front of us. I did, I did not, I did, what, oh yeah, I, when I was at university, I did theology, and I had a job, not a job, I did a placement as a hospital chaplain. There was, that was basically a module you could do. One, one year you did a course, one term you did a course with theology and practice, in which you'd sit in a room and talk about how people might behave in a, in a sort of religious environment, and then there was a sort of uh, they went, Do you want to do the practical one? And that involved actually going to a hospital and being. So I just put my name down for it, and actually, where it was, I was sent to be a hospital chaplain, not a real one, obviously. I mean, I had, had a badge on that said student, but to be a. They were like, Okay, now listen, none of these guys know you're not qualified, so just put this on, say what you like. Uh, no, it was proper, you know, real yeah. thing. And I, but I was sent to a psychiatric hospital, uh, and I would have this badge on that just said student. And I would go in, into one of the wards and they would just say, go in and talk to people for two hours and then come out and we'll have a sort of chat about it. And I had a slightly bizarre conversation with them, with the main chaplain there. He says, is there anything you're worried about it? And I said, yeah, I'm on... Um, at the time I was still at university, I was doing this uh, programme we did in BBC One Scotland called Live Floor Show, which was a sort of, uh, you know, gang show with Frankie Boyle and the Reverend Obadiah and people and... I said, yeah, the one weird thing is, although I'm doing this during the day, on Friday nights, I'm in this television programme, and I just wondered if that will cause any difficulty for the people um, on, on the ward, if they might, if that would be confusing for these people. And he goes, well, what is it? And I said, well, it's a sort of comedy programme, and we do stand-up, and I do this sort of character and stuff. And, we, and he listened to it, and he went, to be honest, it really sounds like the sort of thing they just wouldn't watch. <laughs> Um, which was, you know, possibly, possibly fair. Uh, <laughs> but then I, I would go, and there was the same guy I talked to every week, and I'd go, and I'd think, I don't know why you couldn't. Some people were clearly very depressed, and wards were arranged very bizarrely. They were arranged not by how what age you were or or how ill you were, but literally just by postcode. So everyone, everyone that lived in a particular postcode, irrespective, of, they could be from the age of sixteen to sixty-four, male or female, would be in the same ward. It was. Right. It was, yeah, it was the most underfunded hospital in Scotland, hence their desire to get in student chaplains just to soak up some of the uh, weirdness, I suppose. And I, w- I would go in and I'd talk to the same bloke every week and I used to go home thinking, I've literally no idea why he's in this ward. I don't understand why he's, why he's been in a hospital for 15 years. And then I went the next uh, week and he started talking about rays coming through the window and the need for, the, God, they've just not put enough foil up we're all going to be taken by the rays and stuff. And I thought, oh, right, that's extraordinary. Then he told me the reason why he was in the hospital, which I can't tell you now, but genuinely terrified me. <laughs> and then having finished that story, I was sitting there thinking, oh, my God, that is absolutely terrifying. And he went, anyway, I'll tell you something else I can do. I can tell you what age you're going to die. <laughs> do you want to know? And I said, I, d- I, I, don't, I don't actually. And he went, well, no, no, it's 88. So... <laughs> You don't need to look so worried. <laughs> That's pretty good. That isn't so terrifying, because I think by the no, time you're 88, you've probably forgotten about that as well. Oh, well, So it won't be like living the whole of the 18th year going, oh, it's coming any second. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I'll have, I'll have relaxed, but I'll, no, I'll probably, I'll probably uh, be mainly spending my life at sort of Balamori conventions, <laughs> answering questions that mean even less to me then than they do now. Yeah. And what, I mean, that's not a bleak vision of the future. <laughs> In any, in any respect. <laughs> <laughs> I like the idea of uh, in, in a hospital chaplain's 
you know, going around like student doctors all together in a big group of <laughs> hospital chaplains with one going, so what's spiritually wrong with this guy? And all having to suggest things. Did oh, yeah, they go, yeah, yeah. No, they sort of go around like, like sort of Avengers Assemble kind of thing. <laughs> and they sort of fall, each one's from a different denomination, yeah. So you did, so we, are, you, are you still religious? No, I go, my wife's Catholic and we go to, uh, we go to church often. Right. It's mainly Sundays. Yeah. yeah. But you don't. You're not a believer yourself. I do. I do sort of believe a bit, but I've got no sort of structure to it all. What I'm particularly keen on, though, is the idea of religion and that sort of side of things. And what what I what really irritates me is is sort of um, the kind of uh, sort of uh, professional atheism. I sort of think, well, look, if you don't don't believe, just fuck off and talk about something else. I mean, it's not. You know, that kind of sort of arrogance of, uh, of uh, assertion. I find that sort of stuff. Now, I know you've made horrible sums of money talking about <laughs> how little it means to you, but that sort of thing, I sort of think, well, just don't, you just shut up. So I sort of, I, want, I would like religion to win that battle with those sort of braying people like Dawkins who sort of goes, yeah, can I have loads of money to stand in a variety of hillsides going, religion's rubbish! <laughs> uh, and Channel 4 ever go, yeah, go on. And then lots of comedians going, God, he's amazing. He just says a thing over and over again, which I know is popular with some comedians of your generation. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that, I, I would, I'd like religion to win that battle, but I don't want... Um, I don't think it's a basis for, for wars. You know, I don't want yeah. that... That side of it, obviously, it's, got, it's all gone too far. Yeah. <laughs> it should all calm down. I would describe myself as moderate in almost every respect. Yeah, uh, essentially. But it's yeah. fascinating. I think religion is part of the reason it's, a lot of comedians cover it is because it's a fascin- It's fascinating. I'm very interested in uh, religion, so I will. I do read about it a lot. Yeah. Um, and I'm not. I, you know, I've, I've come to the conclusion that it's probably not right or real. Yeah, yeah. But I, you know, I also think you don't know. But I think as long as you're discussing. Uh, I think with Christ in a Bike, which was the show that I did most, you know, my yeah, most yeah. of my religious, it was a lot of religious people came to see it were impressed by the the academia yeah, yeah. behind it and the study well, behind it's great, it. Yeah. Uh, but it's you know, but I think that's a fascinating thing to talk about. I think the problem for me, I think the reason comedians are drawn to it is because it's a closed system of thought and people are saying you have to believe this. And I think for me, and presumably for you, you were brought up in an environment where you know, if you if you challenged it, you got into trouble. Uh, well, you know, not 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 really. No, right. I think I think it was always quite sort of relaxed in that regard. And I'm always amazed when you see it doesn't really people wouldn't do it now. But you know, sort of ten years ago on the circuit, you'd say someone going, "Oh, I said, oh, I'm imagining we're about to do this in an Australian accent, but that's not that can't necessarily be right." Uh, but just that sort of thing, going, "Oh yeah, yeah, religion. Oh yeah, sorry if there's anyone Christian here and you're going to be offended." And you think no one is about to be offended by your half baked idea about <laughs> fucking whatever it is. <laughs> do you know what I mean? I think I think people that. But the, the, I mean, ration versus belief is a sort of difficult thing because belief is is belief. It's a yeah. leap, isn't it? Whereas reason is based on, you know, a number of steps. So I think it's an argument that is what's good about it from a commercial point of view, from those uh, purveyors of doubt, uh, is 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 that the two things aren't compatible. You can't win an argument about a thing if one side's coming at it rationally, one side's coming about. Belief, because they're just—it's two—it's two different yeah. systems. It's like I found, uh, the Christ- margarine arguing with, um, you know, 
clouds. I yeah. mean, it's just, there's no, they're just not, they're not from the same pool. It won't work. It won't yeah. happen. You couldn't have a sporting fixture between clouds and margarine, could you? Well, maybe you could. You could yeah. probably get a podcast out of it. I know you've got <laughs> basically no unpublished thought. Uh, you, would, you would have to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I found the people who complained were the ones who had never seen it. Oh, yeah, the yeah. Well, so the people who picketed it and said, you know, this is wrong, refused to actually watch the... Uh, sorry, there's a... God, well, just God, be... interesting, just as we're talking about religion, that flies come back. Yeah, yeah, well, that could be anyone, mate. I'd watch. Oh, wow, you are... I'd... Can you hear the swishing? That's what's exciting. Oh, I knew a lot about you, but I never knew how sporty you were. <laughs> I am, mate. I can play a bit of tennis. Um, but people do that. But, but people love to be offended, and I think, I, I think people getting offended is the most... Christ. Uh, is the most irritating thing. I mean, I think people take great delight in being offended by things that have nothing to do with them, and it's just a kind of attention-seeking... Yeah. Oh, God, I feel so good. I'm, I'm, oh, I'm offended on somebody else's behalf. What a, God, I'm, I, must be, you know, I must be such a good person, because I read this thing in the paper that someone's not been particularly nice about another thing. I don't quite know what it is. I've never read any books about it. But anyway, they were being a bit negative, and do you know what? On their behalf, the people... I can't, I can't quite remember their names and what it is they believe in, but I, I, to my, I found myself incredibly offended on their behalf. And, oh, that, my God, I must be great. I must be just a, I must be such a, I must be a very compassionate person. That's what I must be. And people that just spend their lives being gleefully offended about things that they don't really know anything about are, I think, the sort of almost. The, the, some of the worst people in the world. They're almost as bad as the, as the terrorists whose ideals you so espouse. <laughs> All right, I'll ask you. I've got a new emergency question. You may have heard it if you were listening backstage. Um, and it still works for a man. Would you rather have a tit yeah. that dispensed talcum powder? Mm-hmm. Ever, every time you touched it, talcum powder would Every come time out. I touched it, yeah. I, don't, I don't have any control over it. And I think it's it... way if you every time you squeezed it. So if you brushed against it, a little bit of talcum powder might just pop out the nipple, but you'd yeah. have to give it a proper sort of honk uh, yeah. to make. But you would also have a breast, the only one, as a man. Listen, or yeah. I, I fluctuate, to be honest. Okay. I, can, I, can imagine, I can imagine that being all right. Okay. Yeah. Or a finger that can travel through time. Yeah. Which of those two things would you prefer? Well, I can see... God, it's hard to choose between them because they both have so many attractive... The talcum powder thing. I know a lot of people, it's not not fashionable anymore. But I've always... I've always enjoyed, as someone that's always spent, you know, I've never really mastered drying, to be perfectly, <laughs> to be perfectly honest. It's the thing when you go to the swimming bath and you've been swimming for 45 minutes, but afterwards you think, I've been getting changed about an hour now, I cannot, <laughs> what have I done? My genitals are still soaking. I've dried them and then I've got a bit hot, it's a bit muggy. How? I cannot, why have I got the thought that I would be able to sort of turn myself up into a ball and just sort of empty a tit onto my, of, <laughs> Of talcum powder on myself, just sort myself yeah. out. I would, I would relish that to be to be perfectly yeah. honest. And I imagine quite a lot of other people would say, oh, "Do you know? Could I have? Would you? Could you just squeeze some of that under here? Because I cannot. My, I basically, I'm completely dry. I haven't been in the pool for four hours now. I'm completely dry, but I cannot. The inside of my legs is absolutely. I don't know if it's leftover water. I don't know if it's sweat. I, but I cannot dry. Can I? So I would happily dispense uh, talcum powder yeah. to other fellow. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Good sufferers in this. You might end up just staying in the swimming pool changing rooms for your whole life, though. You'd never be able to go. You start doing it for one person, then someone else would come and say, like, can I have a bit? Oh, yeah, but I wouldn't. I, it's not a 24 hour. I mean, I'll eventually I would be asked to leave. It's not a 24 hour. You know. It's most of the day, though. Yeah, Maybe yeah. A lot of your. You know, working time would be taken up. It would be taken. Yeah, yeah, people. yeah. Would you like to go for this audition for this thing? It's very exciting. Listen, I would love to, and that is <laughs> that is actually one of the two accents I can do. But uh, there's a massive queue at the Peck and Pulse, to be honest. And I, there's people. People just can't get dry today. I think it's because it's quite humid, essentially. So I will make more people happy by just staying here. Uh, so that's clearly a very attractive. Um, thing. If you uh, had a finger that could travel through time, I thought of another thing you could do, is you could... Ri- Has <laughs> <laughs> that woman managed to travel through time to know that it was going to be something... It wasn't going to be something disgusting. I've thought of another thing a finger can do that is not rude. Oh, right. You could dial, like, a f- phone number on and make someone ring... Some the wrong person as a kind of prank. You could be, do you could great... go through and then they pick up the phone. Then you go, boo, 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 and then they're they're talking to someone different. Oh yeah, it yeah, could that's be a good like idea. Churchill could ring up um, Hitler. <laughs> I was trying to think of someone else, but yeah, and go, uh, we surrender. I know you could make him do yeah, that. Yeah, what, what, what? That's a great ambition, Richard. Yeah, yeah. Not because of out of any malice, just out of a general academic interest to see how different Europe would be if we surrendered to the Nazis. It's not. I don't mean it out of spite. That is essentially what you're saying. Isn't it? I can see what you're saying. You're being completely objective about it. It's not because of any sort of political sympathy on your part for uh, the ideals of the Third Reich. It's no. simply from an academic from an academic point of view. And I think, yeah, I don't. I think you're, I think you're probably being less offensive than you sound yeah. okay. <laughs> and have you ever tried to suck your own cock uh, no I no I haven't no. and I think yeah and I think that's because I've I've got a, a fairly sound idea of how inflexible <laughs> I am yeah but you have to find that out at some point 
When well, you're even just attempted to sort of touch my toes, I realised <laughs> just how far short I would, uh, I would, I would find it. I've not attempted to, but obviously you've got, you've sort of piqued my curiosity. <laughs> um, Do you want to try it now? Yeah. Well, is is this the platform? Is this? <laughs> Is this the direction I want things to take? Um, uh, I, and I haven't even answered your question about... Although I was pretty surprised. I think with the, with the finger thing, I suppose it would be quite useful... Basically, if you've... I don't know if you experienced this, but I'm one of these you sort of regret things that you've said uh, previously. You can yeah. go back through time and basically just... Just sort of shush, shush yourself. <laughs> you could about to be saying some sort of appalling thing, you know, those yeah. sort of things that you say as a teenager that you're sort of sitting in a restaurant or something 15 years later and you sort of go, oh God, <laughs> why, what, oh God, what a dreadful thing to say. I'm such a, they're probably thinking about it now, aren't they? Those, <laughs> oh God, everyone else in school probably meets up and goes, God, do you remember that time he, oh God, he said that really offensive thing about, oh. Um, so it would be quite nice to be able to just sort of basically... But then that's sort of censoring your own... It is, and would the younger you know... You would know now. You'd know from any time that you had the power to do that. But would the younger you know what this thing... They'd just go... What's that? Not the really What's wrong. this disembodied finger doing in my face? <laughs> yeah, that's true. And yeah, then yeah. that might... You know, but then you would just go ahead and say the next thing. You wouldn't think, that must be my future self yeah, instructing yeah. me to be quiet. Yeah, and well, would you listen to yourself? That's the other question. I wouldn't listen if well, I, I went back to... in time now well, to what, the sixteen-year-old me. I wouldn't listen to this old idiot telling me what to do, saying, you know, well, you'd probably don't work be... with Stuart You're... Lee. I'd go, I'm going to work with Stuart Lee. Well, is that what you? Is that what you'd say to? I'd say to him. I'd say, don't work with him. He'll just nick all of your ideas and pass them off as his own. He, he's fuckers. <laughs> what what is the nature of your your relationship with Stuart Lee? It's a very because, strong. Is it a strong? Because I never because you know because you're quite jokey. I never when you say things about <laughs> Stuart, you know, yeah. I never know what you what you really what what you. I mean, what because I, I mean right. I mean he's very good, isn't he? He's very, so, so there's that. So you presumably enjoy he, that aspect of his he's work. He's really good at the one thing he does, which is why I, yeah. I, I really appreciate that one yeah. thing. Well, that's, that's, that's better than appreciating nothing. And I'm, sure, I'm sure he feels that more keenly than anybody. Um, but you genuinely don't get... No, we're very good friends. Oh, right. Oh, OK. But you see, now I don't, I don't know if you're, if you're joking. And if you're, yeah, you're very, I'm very hard to read. Imagine being married to me. It's a fucking pain in the arse. Yeah, no, I, I mean, the elements yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah. What, do you lie in bed just shouting about Stuart Lee? She must lie there thinking, to be honest, I, I thought you'd mention him sometimes, but I didn't... I really didn't imagine it would end up being like this. I mean, I suggested we make love half an hour ago, and you're just, you're just going on about similarities between he's said and things you've said. This is... This is some of the romance is draining out of this relationship. Um, I make her put on a Stuart Lee mask, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> She doesn't mind, she likes it. Oh, OK. Uh, I know, I'm delighted with his success, and I wish him more. But what... what? Uh... <laughs> yeah, that would be sort of different for people that listen to the audio version of this, and then people that, <laughs> people that watch it will get a very clear view of your... That's why I'm, I'm giving the, the, the extra value to the people who are paying. Yeah, there's people that listen to this that have no idea you've got a twitch. <laughs> you uh, constantly roving hands. Um... <laughs> What, what else would you say to your 16-year-old self, apart from the sort of Stuart Lee I would, no, advice? I would definitely um, 
that wouldn't change all that much in my life. Mm-hmm. I think the, the 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 good things and the bad things, the bad things are important. Aren't they? I think if you stop, if you didn't make the mistakes, it would be, you know, things would turn out differently. And uh, I actually think mo- mo- most of the mistakes I've made in my life are definitely my own fault. Yeah. But I think I had to make those mistakes to be the fantastic person I am. I now am <laughs> well, the balanced person I am. Yeah, yeah. I had to spend 2004 watching Balamori with a hangover, still drunk. Yeah, yeah. Or we, I mean, well, if it hadn't been for those sort of experiences you'd had, yeah, there's no way this podcast would have had such a blinding opening 20. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, no, I think... We lost him a bit I on think, the Balamori. I think, but... I, think that, I think that year of hell was definitely after. <laughs> you watch that spike in the downloads. I think, uh, I think you'll find it you worthwhile. You have to think of the audience beyond the room sometimes. You yeah. know, there's, there's maybe 200 people in the room here. Mm-hmm. At home, there might be 250 people listening. Yeah, so absolutely. Some yeah. of them will be the same ones who've listened to it. But they'll appreciate so, yeah. the oh, second thing. Oh, we should have thing about more. the Nazis. Why have they done <laughs> we that? We should have yeah. laughed more at that. Why are we having to go at lovely Richard Herring? Because he says some stupid rubbish. <laughs> His mind won't stop pouring out shit. I nearly stopped there for a second, ironically. <laughs> uh, do you ever worry you're just... I, I, I worry just... I'll wait. This week I've just not... Because I've been tired and running around a lot. Yeah. You sort of, I haven't really been able to think of any ideas for anything. Worry about things, do yeah. Worry, we... Do you worry it'll just dry up for you? Yeah, that's a sort of... Fear, I think. Yeah. You need sometimes you get an appointment, you sort of put, literally put yourself on the clock. Like I'm doing room 101 tomorrow, and someone rings up, you know, months ago and says, What would you put into room 101? And you think, Oh, God, today's the day they're ringing to ask what I'm putting in room 101. And I, oh, God, I've been looking after the children. I don't, uh, and you sort of reel some things off, and then you put the phone and think, I've just given them about eight things. I can't remember any of the things <laughs> I've said. And then, like, two weeks ago, you get an email saying, Remember, you're coming tomorrow, bring a shirt. By the way, the things you're putting into room 101 are this. And you think, why do I hate those things? Why, why? <laughs> oh, God. Now I've got to think... First of all, I've sort of got to sit down and think about why I hate them, and then I need... If I can send some, some way of distilling them into some sort of pithy remark that will make the edit of a thing, then that's all to the good. So you sort of basically... I, I actually enjoy that kind of pressure about things. I think the blank canvas is the scary thing. Whereas yeah. one of the reasons... I know a lot of people have begun to hate them, and I think one of the things I like about panel shows is actually working within... Uh, certain parameters or whatever. It's not. It's not. You're not showing. Look, looking at a blank sheet of paper, going right. I must write some jokes. What can I write jokes about? I'll write them about. All right. What's that? Oh, traffic. I'll write some. No, no. It's dreadful or whatever. Uh, whereas someone goes, oh, you've got to make jokes about the Conservative Party conference or something, something which one would normally have no interest. Uh, then you can sort of get on with it. So I. That's that. Having to write a certain sort of thing about a certain subject actually, for me, is a way of preventing things. Drying up, otherwise yeah. I'd just end up sort of pissed and screaming at children's television. <laughs> and worrying, still about, worrying about yeah, it could easily you're, happen. You're, yeah. you're not even as old as I was when that happened to me yet. So uh, is that right? Yeah, I'd have been about thirty-six. You're still younger than that, aren't you? Uh, Thirty-four, I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're a young God. man. Got your whole life ahead of you. I well, was I've got specifically fifty. <laughs> what, what have I got? I've, I haven't <laughs> got the maths for it. Fifty-four <laughs> years. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> that's a long time. I was time. really frightened when that happened. I have to yeah. say because I sort of thought, no, don't. Whatever he says, you mustn't believe it. You mustn't believe yeah. it. And then, so I was sort of prepared for him to say, "You're going to be dying the way home today," or something like that. And then he said, "88." And then I thought, "Well, no, I can't take that as well. God, maybe I'm going to die on the way home." Do you know what I mean? Once he, once he brought up the subject of my death, it was hard but to relax. If you really believed it, then you could live a sort of supernatural life where you walk into fires and 
save people from because I'm not going to die till I'm 88. Oh uh, yeah, what, you could go and just be. I'd be living my life as a superhero if I was you. I'd be what, jumping off buildings. What I now realise I missed off the end of that anecdote was <laughs> yeah. was the six or seven day period I have of extreme confidence yeah. uh, running in front of buses and setting fire to myself <laughs> yeah. and uh, trying to sort of lift people up and jump in between buildings which ended with a lengthy stay in the institution where I first <laughs> had the thing but all these fortune tellers always play tricks on you as well so you could do that you'd probably walk into a fire and then you get really badly burnt up but then just be in a coma until you're 88 <laughs> and then die so well, you have to be careful yeah, no, don't, don't right, just yes. play with fate there's many ways of skinning a cat <laughs> yeah, well, it didn't work. My fortune teller was very bad, so you know. That, but that doesn't mean they're, they're they're all bad. No, no. I mean, some I mean, of them might know the future. Some of them are very good and deserve to play to bigger audiences. I think. <laughs> um, I uh, talcum powder. I, talcum I have powder. to say, I really you sort of said talcum powder. <laughs> I, had no, to, I hadn't the really said it. Yeah, but I would. I, I mean, I mean, even now, I would think talcum powder was a good, you know, a good good Christmas present. If someone got some, if I, you know, I remember I was young. I'd see my dad open certain people gave him the same presents. He'd go. Oh, don't use this or whatever it was. I would, you know, even now, if I, I thought, oh God, talcum powder. I should always have talcum powder. I can, I can take this swimming uh, or yeah. whatever it is. I would, I'd be, yeah. If anyone, I mean, you're probably already thinking, because you know, what is it, October? You're probably already thinking about what to get me. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, but so, now you, you know, you you'll, let, you'll have a better idea. Some some terrorist themes talcum powder. Yeah. <laughs> but. I thought you were going to give your dad some talcum powder for your Christmas from your tit. But then oh, I mean, of course. You'd yeah, have to say, yeah. this is tit talcum powder, Dad. Well, what I do, I do it like people that give olive, <laughs> olive oil and stuff like that. You know, they put it in a nice bottle and you say, this is yeah. olive, these are olives that we've squeezed ourselves. But I'll be able to say, well, this is, this is you know, talcum powder that I, I've squeezed myself from my own, my soul breast. Um, yeah, no, I'd, but I, as I say, I would, I would have a lovely label on it. I'd probably put it in some quite nice old jars that you get from the sort of you know nice reclaimed furniture shop or something I think god actually I'm gonna I've got to get quite busy at the moment but I'm gonna put aside some time oh no I don't have the magic tits that's what I need isn't it god I've got so I'm so excited about this idea I've actually allowed myself to believe that it's real it's a genuine possibility like winning a prize on a game show or something oh my god I turned up that you don't it's a great podcast it's really fun you get to chat to Rich and you don't you don't get a fear as such but I left with a, a breast out of which came talcum powder so I would, it was a very worthwhile experience yeah good uh, you've been uh, in a film directed by George Clooney. Uh, yes. Did you meet George Clooney in real life? Yeah, he's another of those really <laughs> off-the-wall directors that insists, and I, this is quite arrogant, actually, but in being on set uh, and watching what's happening on the monitors. I mean, he is... That's why people say the guy's out there. Um, yeah, he, he directs it and he's in it. It's quite... Well, it's ludicrously exciting, actually. It's a, it's a Second World War film. I play a guy called Major... I'm sure you could imagine me playing a sort of an army officer. I can. I had about 90 auditions playing different American characters, and eventually they went, could you do an English accent? <laughs> so I said, gladly. Uh, and he... Yeah, it's about... It's called The Monuments Men, and he goes, and him and um, Bill Murray and Matt Damon and... Uh, wow. Yeah, I'm, 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 I don't... Do you meet them? No, no, I, I met... Well, the, the day I was on set in well, it was in Berlin, we did it, and John Goodman just he was he was sort of bored at the hotel, and he just came wandering around 
Uh, so I found just him being there sort of exciting, really. Uh, but yeah, we had this, this sort of film about art, people saving art and stuff during the yeah. Second World War. It's very cool, but it's very difficult. I mean, someone I got very nervous about it because I thought, well, he's George Clooney, the whole thing's going to be tremendously pressured. And I sort of woke up really early and I couldn't sleep before. And I thought, God, I must keep running my lines and you're having breakfast going, I'm just running my lines, running my lines. It would be so high pressured. And you get there and actually it's just people just at work, just sort of getting on with it, and they all know each other, and they're not, he doesn't sort of rule with a rod of iron, people aren't terrified, they're just doing it. But it's very, you know, you're chatting between takes, and all, yeah. you know, actors just like hanging around talking, so I'm talking to the other sort of British guys, going, isn't it cool, isn't George Clooney cool? <laughs> and then suddenly he sort of wanders up with an apple, going, hey, what are you guys talking about? <laughs> can't say, well, we were talking about how cool you were, so you sort of think... <laughs> Uh, we were all discussing about, uh, you know, he's just trying to think of it. Uh, uh, we were all, we were, we were discussing which airports we were all going back to when we <laughs> left Berlin, you know, some sort of dread, dreadful thing or whatever. And then he, you know, he's very chatty or whatever, so he'll be telling some anecdote about having a fundraiser for Barack Obama at his house where, like, Barack Obama's security people had to build a special sort of um, chemical-proof shield inside the shower in George Clooney's spare room. He's probably got several spare rooms in case of a chemical attack and all these things. Or, oh, yeah, we were playing basketball one time or whatever and, I, and you're sort of thinking well you know I, I, I can't just offer nothing in return sort of thing and you're sort of thinking I wonder gosh I could tell him about oh yes that's right there was that time we were doing Balamori Live at the NIA and they'd, they'd given us the wrong keys to the dressing rooms or whatever like that you, you know he's this sort of extraordinary man so you feel you feel slightly sort of ashamed of existing uh, despite the fact that he's yeah very charming do you have his phone number uh, I uh, well again I, he, I gave he gave I mean gave, he, he, he absolutely wouldn't let me leave without taking yeah. it uh, <laughs> shortly afterwards I got my phone up yeah, yeah you it, it. No, if you I see him again have... could you ask him if he'll be on this podcast uh, do, you think yeah. he would, do you think he would do it I'm amazed that he wasn't one of the I mean I, I was asked on this reasonably late I'm amazed <laughs> yeah. I must have been further down the list than him surely you I must haven't have already... asked George Clooney yet you not asked no. him oh, well yeah if I see him again yeah. I think he'd be good on this yeah, I what, think he'd be, what do you think, people? Do you think he'd be... Yeah, yeah they'd yeah. like George Clooney to be on. Yeah, well, so, I can yeah, understand... that's not a vote of confidence for George Clooney. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll explain to him the setup and whatever. I'll say it might be worth thinking about, you know, things you've said in the past, George, or um, how easily you find it to dry yourself. Uh, he's basically perfect, though. He's probably one of those people that gets out of the swimming pool and dries himself, and it's fine. You can, just, you can literally put a pair of pants on within about five minutes of getting in the pool, isn't it's not like me, sort of still sitting in the changing area. <laughs> Bloody hell, they've been doing exercise for 45 minutes and I still haven't got my fucking pants on or, or whatever. But I will, I will ask him, and if yeah. I see Bukala Agubiaka or Keisha Haddad, I will ask them to come on uh, this okay. as well. Don't know who they are. Uh, uh, that is, yeah, they are the, the two Josie Jumps. Oh, OK. From cool. the TV version. They're, they're, what, they're not real... I thought they had to get the second person called Josie. The reason I assumed the second one wasn't as good as the first one was that they just had to get someone else called Josie Jump to be it. Well, I can't, I can't really continue this conversation <laughs> if, those, if, those, if, those, is that, if that's the basis on which you're making the assumption that I can't be, I can't be part I'm of the discussion. Then, yeah. They were both really good. Uh, in, they, were two, they were two of the best actors in Balmore. Yeah, well, it's... Yeah. <laughs> and there was some tough competition. There, uh, <laughs> you could say anything you liked about that. People yeah. have said all sorts of rude things about my work in that program. But it's, it's just, it's hard to mind. Uh, to be. <laughs> Kev, Kevin McKidd, who's in what? Is he is he sick boy? 
in, in train, train spotting. Yeah, yeah. He he said to me, or maybe to Miss Hooley in the Scottish Scottish Baptist. I like, I like Miss Hooley. Yeah, yeah. Well, I have got her number. Yeah. Um, I, he said to he said. I was watching that programme the other day and I don't think I've ever seen anyone in a programme ever appear to give less of a shit. Um, which, you know... You haven't seen... He hasn't seen Big Cook, Little Cook. Yeah, yeah. Seriously, Big Cook just doesn't even try yeah. to act. Or, or the video version of this, uh, to be honest. That may finally put that one to... <laughs> Put that one to rest. We but, both um, care very deeply. I found it very flattering that he said that. To be honest, I was delighted he'd seen it, having enjoyed his. Uh, uh, can you ask Frankie Boyle yep. to unblock me on Twitter? Why has he blocked you? I on don't Twitter? know. I'm, I'm, can you ask him why he's blocked me on Twitter, and then ask him to unblock me on Twitter, and okay. I can ask him to be on this podcast? Is that what it's all for? <laughs> yeah. I want George Clooney. Listen. I looked through who you knew. Yeah. I thought John Stewart. Yeah. George Clooney. Frankie Boyle. It's the, tri- the triumph that everyone okay, wants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Josie jumps. You're just to... using me for my. <laughs> yeah. It's ludicrous to think that I would have more contacts than you. I mean, you're, you know, you're, you've been going for cent- centuries. I'm this. really bad at asking for people's numbers and stuff. I was, I was at a thing with Joe Brand uh, this week. Name dropper. And uh, I really wanted to ask her to be on this. Yeah. And I knew she couldn't do today anyway, so it wasn't. Yeah, 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 you clearly knew a lot of people uh, couldn't do today. A lot of people. Richard. No one could oh, do today. Oh, yeah. God, what is it? Seven o'clock on a Saturday morning. This will, <laughs> this will probably be someone wondering if I want to do a podcast on Monday. That's, that's the way that most of the prestige geeks <laughs> kick in. Yeah. <laughs> but, this? Uh, Why is he writing in capitals? Please, <laughs> please help me. I've been up all night. Everyone I like has blocked me on Twitter. <laughs> I think Balamori is real. Will you help me? Will you help me? We can talk for an hour. It's unprepared. When the show finishes, hold me, hold me. Never stop holding me. This message was sent from my handheld device. Uh, what did... Yeah, yeah, it was all good. It was all good. Ask... But anyway, I couldn't ask Joe Brand. I, yeah. I don't have Joe Brand's phone number, and I was too embarrassed to ask her. So that's why I'm not very good at getting people. I'm so amazed I've got anyone to come on this podcast. All oh, right. Well, I yeah. So if... I know you, so I felt like I could ask you to come. Yeah. On. Yeah. Okay. Well, that, yeah. I was very. I'm happy to be. I'm happy. Yeah. Still happy to be here. But I'll ask. <laughs> um, I'm also happy to make any number of overtures on your behalf, which are to people good. that uh, well, you're scared of, or are yeah. our, our George Clooney. I think if George Clooney came on, I probably would be. I think I might say something embarrassing. <laughs> I think you'd probably prepare some questions. <laughs> I've got loads of questions. So, you, uh, here's a question. <laughs> think that finger thing wasn't prepared? Yeah, right, yeah. Want to see it written down? Yeah, no, I'm only, I'm being completely unfair. I'm being completely unfair. Sorry, so a, you, people a question. Like, people enjoy this. Uh, you were in the Imp Perverts at Edinburgh. The Imp Perverts. The Imp Perverts. The Imp Perverts, yeah. The Imp Perverts, which I imagine is a group of people who do have perverted sex with imps, which that, I yeah. imagine is quite difficult because imps will pretty much do anything. Yeah. So yeah. you were in the Imp Perverts. That's right, yes. Which a lot of people have done. It's an Edinburgh University thing, it's uh, an impro group. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, 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 yeah. People like uh, the Penny Dreadfuls, I don't know yes. if you know. Tom Tuck, David Reed, Humphrey Carr. Uh, uh, David Luke, Reed supports York City, he's a good guy. That's right, Lucy Kirkwood, who wrote uh, Chimerica, that's uh, on in the West End, which has had the best reviews of anything 
ever. Uh, she's part of that gang. Yeah, never all heard sorts of, of people. She didn't get her on the podcast. I've never heard of her. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll open with that line and see <laughs> see how long a conversation it turns into. Jenny Richard. Colgan, the, the authoress. Jenny Colgan, yeah, she, yeah, she must. Have no done. one says authoress anymore. Do they? That's not right. Authoress, no, no, they don't. Have that. you? She must have done. You know her, don't you? I do know her. Have you, have you not? Are you too scared to ask her? No, she's not. She's not in the. She's not in the elites like you, Miles. Right. Only twenty. What? Only twenty-six people have done this before you, or twenty-seven, twenty-eight. So yeah. Like, okay. Well, that's. So you know, that's. There's a lot of people to get through. There is. Before yeah. we get on to those two. I'm going to be absolutely... I'm going to be exhausted doing all my ring rounds. <laughs> um, but, yeah, listen, write a dream list, and I promise you, when I'm not busy, I will put a lot of effort into booking this up, because I'd hate the idea of you sitting here talking talking this filth to an empty chair. Uh, that's almost as depressing as <laughs> 2004. Yeah, it is. I've, I've moved on a long way since then. Yeah, yeah. I'm relatively no. happy now. Um, <laughs> I wish, I wish I had some talc, though. I'm really sweaty. I feel like you... I could get the part of the weatherman in, uh, in Harry uh, Potter now. If yeah. only if we could I travel through time. I actually brought some, um, some napkins on from oh, the... Um, I went to a, a restaurant earlier. Oh, you did, oh, And yeah. they gave some, me some napkins <laughs> yeah. uh, in case I found the healthy food they'd given me. And I, I put them in my pocket before I came out because I yeah. thought, I bet I'll sweat out there. But for whatever reason... You haven't sweated. I felt oddly becalmed by your presence. <laughs> uh, but if you... We all they've been... Why don't you mop Thank your brow? You. Because I think, I think if people are watching... the the, the visual version of this, the glare, will be, it will yeah. look like I'm being interviewed by some sort of Christ figure. We don't, we don't have makeup people. We can't afford uh, makeup people on this show. Uh, so it's, uh, you know, it's every, I think we're all, we've all relaxed. I mean, the audience have relaxed to the point of, co- like, it, they're in a coma. Yeah. We well, have to try and drag them out of that before the end of the show. Uh, I'll well, ask, let's, I'll go- let's shake it up with some crazy shit. Okay, but, have um, you ever seen a ghost? Uh, I haven't seen a ghost, but, but there's two things. One, I remember very clearly, this, this must mean I have a sort of a silly memory, because I have a very definite recollection of thinking, oh my God, I've seen a ghost. <laughs> but I cannot remember <laughs> what happened. <laughs> it's, that, it's odd, isn't it? I think, I, think it was in, I think it was in Cornwall. I just remember, <laughs> I've got such a vivid recollection of thinking, I have seen a ghost. I can't believe I've just seen a ghost, but I cannot, for the life of me, think what this apparition was that I saw, if it was an apparition, that made me completely convinced that I'd... But I, I can't... I really did think I'd... I can't think what it was, but I really, I really did think I'd seen one. Um, so, I must have done. Um, and there Do was... you ever remember thinking, oh, my God, I've just seen a Bigfoot? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I've just seen a big sort of creature emerge from the lake or whatever, <laughs> the, or lock. Uh, I and also there, there, the um, stand comedy club in Glasgow is yeah. thought to be haunted. Oh, is it? And I there's lots of stuff. I'm sort of on the board there, and we have meetings, and every now and then it's one of the things on the thing. Uh, <laughs> this certain society that's interested in ghosts wants to come to the club, and I did have an experience there once where I was on stage. And I, have you, you must have played that I room. Have, yes. It's a really great room, and it's sort of you're on one of the long sides of the room. And I had this. I was quite convinced that someone had walked across the stage behind me, and I thought, oh, there's probably just someone going for the toilet. It's a bit rude, but, you know, a mid-anecdote. I'm not going to risk improvising. Uh, that could uh, ruin everything. Uh, and then they came back again or whatever. And then, and then one time I came... They weren't making a noise, but you know that thing when someone's walking across a floor that you're standing on and you can just feel the floor dipping and rising? I became so... The person, the, the, or whatever it was, was walking really slowly, so I thought... 
I don't read... Well, I mind a bit people fucking walking across the stage with the toilet while I'm on, but to do it this slowly is really rude, actually. And I, I sort of span round, and there was sort of no-one there, so I felt a bit sort of weird about it. So, you know, one of the things I think when you think you're sort of just about, just about got a Glasgow audience on side isn't going, <laughs> has anyone else seen a ghost? There's a ghost, because you sort of think they'd think this guy's he's lost it. It's all been a fluke up to now. But I looked around, there was one person in the audience, and I sort of looked at him, and he looked back at me, and I went... Was that a, like a thing? And he went, I really don't know what that was, in quite a sort of haunted manner. But he might have just been playing, playing along <laughs> nicely. He might have meant, what was that you were doing? How can you... <laughs> this isn't an act. This is someone just saying things they probably thought was a teenager and imagine it's satire now or whatever. Um, so <laughs> my act was for about a decade, probably. Um, uh, so that I haven't seen a ghost. I turned around thinking I was going to see something. I didn't see one, yeah. uh, and I'm really certain I saw one earlier in my life, but I don't know. Don't know what it was. Yeah. That is the definition of not seeing a ghost, though, isn't it? <laughs> no, it is. It's, you've just told me an anecdote that is about you not seeing. Oh, a that ghost. is not that. You're right. Yeah, one of them is. And but so the other I asked one... you if you ever seen a ghost, and you told me an anecdote that was about you not seeing a ghost. Sorry, it's like you're being willfully. Abstract. And Do you obtuse. know what? I don't know what I'm thinking because before I came on backstage, I said, "What sort of thing are you after?" And you said, "Can you give very direct monosyllabic answers <laughs> to all of the questions?" It's really, it's really annoying when we go out there for like an hour and a half, and everyone, you know, God, last last week we had people on doing anecdotes. We had. We had people just sort of winging it a bit and getting ideas and running with it. And, you know, the whole thing ends up being sort of relatively amusing. And what I really want, I want, I want a really concise, factual 15 minutes when people can listen to it and they, you know, and they go, yeah, I know what that man definitely thinks about four or five subjects. Yeah. So, sorry, I've, I've, let, you, I've, let, you, let, me I've let you down in that regard. Uh, yeah. No, I've never seen a ghost. Use, use that in the edit. And, you yeah. um, on your Wikipedia page, it says that you've been... You're... Right, this is almost definitely <laughs> yeah. not true. Okay. I've, ne- I d- I've stopped looking at my Wikipedia page because a friend of mine used to put such ridiculous <laughs> things on. I thought, it's more fun not to look. And then when I'm doing a sort of interview on some local radio station or something, yeah. they'll ask me a really weird question and yeah. then I'll know what's on my Wikipedia page. But... OK, well, is this true? Because I didn't... <laughs> well, just, it struck me as an odd thing to put on the Wikipedia page. You've been described as... Your friend described you as Harold Meeker from uh, rent <laughs> <laughs> You're a yeah. Harold Meek from Rent a Ghost character. Uh, yeah, that is. The, there's a guy, Nick Finley Coulson, that I used to write <laughs> yeah. with that every now and then goes and. And I, I've almost. I've tried to get in contact with him a number of times recently, unsuccessfully, but uh, he, he once spent a lot of time amending my <laughs> Wikipedia page, including saying that I'd played a sort of homosexual psychic in uh, CSI Kilmarnock. And, <laughs> things like that and like listed like a really long discography of <laughs> solo albums that I'd recorded there's something I don't know if it's still on there but I had a, a, a week I think a week when I did three different panel show recordings yeah. and each of them the sort of uh, bit because uh, that's the sort of rhythm of how you introduce people uh, each three in a row I, the, the, the joke they had was based on the fact that uh, my hobbies were um, uh, fly fishing yeah, and tea tasting, tea tasting right, yeah. which are not, are not hobbies of mine, right? <laughs> and they never, they never have been, but someone really puts this up on my Wikipedia page. Yeah. 
And it's got to the point where, oh, you know, that writer's room or whatever, they go, what can we... Oh, right, yeah, oh, brilliant, he likes that. And so you, you just sit there whilst a sort of very well-respected sort of satirical organ tells however million, many million people that, you know, you really like tea tasting or fly fish or something. And I just, I just sort of let it go. I mean, I don't... I'm sort of quite happy with this. It's self-verifying kind of... then as well. That's the problem. So if you if it's on that program, they can then link citation needed. Bang! Have I got news for you? Oh yeah, you're right. Yeah, that he must be why he didn't challenge that, it. That must be why it's still there. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. the Harold Meeker thing isn't. You've never. I, just I, don't, like the, I don't even know who he is. I know. Well, it's very Harold Meeker. Uh, again, this is going back a little bit. I used to love Rent a Ghost when I was a kid. It's one of my. There's Bob Mumford, who was the funny one. Uh, most of them are dead. He died, the character. Ironically, they are all mostly all ghosts. Harold Meeker is still alive. He looked like the oldest one. He was the man who... I don't even know. He was the landlord, I think, of the thing. It's just he was quite grumpy. Right. He was in it all the way through, but it's, well, it's very been. hard to pinpoint what his character was. So I love the idea of you being, <laughs> called, you being called a Harold Meeker character. That sort of famously vague man <laughs> who's yeah, only uh, bright... Size that he's alive, yeah. Well, I, th- yeah, I'm, I'm if it's about grumpy, I am a very grumpy man. Yeah, well, maybe, that. maybe, maybe. One of my favorite things is Frasier, and the reason I got into Frasier when I was at school is a friend of mine saying, There's this program you need to see that is about <laughs> two people that are just like you. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, they probably are a bit, yeah. Well, I'm getting tired, man. I tell you, I've been some of us have run half, a half marathon, uh, you know, you could carry on talking, but um. I don't know if I can carry I think on. without the structure of your question, this, <laughs> this, this would become I'm a very be, disconnected hour. I, I could, yeah, I've asked a question. I mean, the backbone, you know. Could I, I ask a question and have a little sleep? Yeah, and then yeah. Just, yeah, go for maybe it. Maybe when yeah. you've finished the question, just hit me with that tennis racket. All right, yeah. And uh, electrocute me away. Can I do that? Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> How much did it hurt? Who? Not, not that Not that much. No, they do hurt. We had, I used to live in a flat share and we had one of these. And uh, Al, my flatmate, thought it was really funny to wait outside the bathroom and try and <laughs> sting people on the bottom when they, <laughs> when they came out. It was fine for me because I had such an enormous sort of talcum powder shield. <laughs> Nothing to get through, but other, other people suffered greatly. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever try and uh, put your penis into the thing to see what that would feel like? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah let's, let's, I did. And I remember the, my, the first time I did it, I, immediately I thought, you know, once is not enough. <laughs> I, I have to do this several times a day. Were you dressed as Archie the Inventor when you did? Because you, you had a kilt on, you could easily get no, in so there. I, I, let's I ha- say you were. Let's put it on your Wikipedia yeah, page. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're desperate to get back out of the Daily Mail sidebar. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no. Because Tinky Winky not. from, uh, from uh, Dave the Teletubbies. Tom- Dave Thompson. Like, yeah. Who was, who was quite a perverted man. Is he? Yeah. Right, well, he did I'm some that. awful... Things. We'll get him on one day and see if he'll talk about the awful He's a really he nice guy. He's really yeah, funny. he's a very nice guy. Yeah, very funny man. But he's a disgusting pervert. <laughs> <laughs> he right. did some awful things in that tinky-winky costume. Uh, so... <laughs> right, well, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to hear you think that. Um, My mother's a lawyer. I know some really helpful <laughs> phrases. I don't think they can make can pin that on you. I, de- I definitely it was definitely me saying it. Um, so, yeah. um, well, that's what I'll say in court. It was. What is say, it like being Miles Jupp? Who wrote this question? Ben uh, Evans. Ben Evans. What's it like? Well, I quite I quite enjoy lots of it. Yeah. Uh, I work reasonably hard. Um, I. Um, 
I go to community exercise classes. Um, <laughs> did you generally admit you said you, could, you were having to miss some boxing? Oh, yeah, box fit I go to. It's yeah, really on Monday good. nights. Yeah, yeah. Well, you could go Monday, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays. So right. You've you missed this week. camp on Saturday. I'm going to go Wednesday. I can't go tomorrow. Okay. But, uh, no, looking forward to that very much. It's I kind of thought it was some kind of Ikea thing when, uh, when you first said it. It took me a while to realise... Oh, yeah. box fit it sounds like you're going to make some stuff in it a... I'm amazed that having finally after sort of 11 hours of constant emailing <laughs> someone came back and said yes I'll do it I'm amazed you read to the bottom of the email and you weren't just <laughs> dancing naked around your own home shouting at last at last at last at last someone's replied to one of my emails oh they all replied Mark. oh right <laughs> <laughs> Oh, right, yes. Well, <laughs> uh, no, it's sort of quite nice. I, yeah. Yeah, I have a, uh, a family and I uh, eat and uh, yeah. I can afford the mortgage. And, uh... Have you ever tried to kill yourself? Have I ever tried to Oh, I see, right, yeah, yeah. Is this... Yeah, this is... We're just... It would just round it off nicely if just something uh... tragic happened because then people would have to go, oh, it was good. It was good. It was, it was really, good at the end when it was yeah, moving really nice end. ending because there were times when you genuinely thought it was going to go nowhere. But then... <laughs> And he told that story about being a prisoner of war. I'd forgotten that war. It was, uh, I mean, that whole generation, forgotten war. Uh, no, I've not tried to kill, oh. kill myself. Um, uh, I'm, I'm sorry if, yeah, if, there's, if, there's, if you want this show to have some sort of recurring theme. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm sorry that that's... You want uh, to try, unable to help you. try it with this? No, I really don't. I have been got by one of those, and I, didn't, I do not envy the life of a fly. <laughs> Um, the for a number of reasons. Life. Being me is perfectly nice. That's what it is. That yeah. is nice. It's good. I don't think you will probably in two years' time be waking up watching children's TV drunk but hungover and howling at the moon. I, I hope you know, not. Yeah. You never know. Things can terrible I don't, things can happen in life. But I don't have a television, and we've got really quite bad broadband. <laughs> so right. it would be it would be hours into the day before I was successfully managing to actually. You don't have a television. No. No. Wow. I'm just uh, no. But you're on television, you don't have a television. Well, you say I'm on television, I don't know. Richard, you don't know anything that could be happening. The whole thing could be an elaborate sort of... Um, what's that film called with Jim Carrey? The it's... Truman Show. Don't yeah. get me onto that at this late stage. <laughs> oh, right, that's an excellent... That's that is... terrible fucking load of shits. <laughs> only that... wor- only w- the only film worse than that is... Yeah. What is everyone? Sliding <laughs> Sliding I've got doors. them, I've got them yeah, as a yeah, cult. Yeah. They kind of, they all believe, they all agree with me now that the worst two films, Sliding Doors and The Truman Show. Oh, really? Yeah. Truman Show is slightly preferable to Sliding Doors. Yeah I'd, yeah, I'd sign with you on that. That's amazing, he just hates Sliding Doors. Yeah. And so does all of the people. How do they all just say that at once? If it isn't the worst film ever. You're, you're right, that is... I mean, <laughs> you think, people I talk got about... these people together, prep them and say, if at any point we get stuck... Miles mentions the Truman Show. Can you yeah, all say yeah. that Sliding Doors is worse than that? Yeah, Are you no. insane? What's wrong with you? No, that is... That, that is scientifically that proven. Is, that is the most empirical evidence I have <laughs> ever had the good fortune to be on the wrong end of. Yeah. I quite enjoyed it. I didn't. No, I did. I did quite enjoy it. No. It's got an incredibly awkward bit where he's doing Monty Python and they're all laughing, haven't they? Oh, Sliding Doors? Yeah, That's, yeah. That is, <laughs> that is... That is the crux of the... Of the badness of it, because I spent my whole life reciting Monty Python sketches. Oh and right! Nobody ever wanted to get off with me as a result. Of it. <laughs> Is that nobody? True? Yeah, I mean, I was a kid. I was as a teenager. I was obsessed with Monty Python, so I would have been that kind of guy going, 
Nobody, he doesn't even do it very well. At least if he did it well, someone might go, oh, I'll give him a blowjob out of pity. Well, yeah. uh, is not going, oh, look at this guy. He's so amazing he can recite someone else's comedy. <laughs> That's what women really love. Not a guy who's funny, a guy who knows Monty Python off by heart. Yeah, I can, I can see why it doesn't, it doesn't hold up in that, uh, it, uh, in that regard. Tom, yeah. you know Monty Python off by heart, don't you? Yes, you do, stop lying. <laughs> wow. Well, God, so I didn't realise it was a thing. I, th- I thought you just didn't like it because it was a, not a good film. Rather I mean, than it's it, not a good film as well. Rather than it being something that reminds you of yet more painful periods. <laughs> there is no part of your own inner psyche you won't happily mine for <laughs> material. But then, what, this is probably, you've probably done about nine, nine podcasts today, have you? You've probably written, written a blog, played written a blog. judo with yourself whilst des- <laughs> describing it. Written for the Metro, do you still write for the Metro? I do, I've written a Metro column today. What? what what was that about then? It was about the stuff I've talked about, about the fortune teller and the... Uh, that's oh, okay. why it's fresh on my mind. Oh, right, right. Very good. What, yeah. Oh, yeah, I enjoy reading the, uh, that, that column. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, well, I thought... <laughs> I was reading it the other day on the train. Yeah. I thought, he's done well. <laughs> Someone's bought a suit. Yeah. <laughs> I get criticised for my suit. By who? For loads of us, someone wrote into the Metro to complain about how it was. And they passed it on to you. They got printed in the paper <laughs> on the last page. And then someone offered to make me a suit because of that. And I refused. Oh, really? Because you should have just said, yeah. Why? Well, I just felt awkward about going to someone, a man saying, I'll come to my house, come to my shop, and I'll measure you and make you a suit. I just that could lead in all kinds of horrible directions. Welcome to my tailoring dungeon. <laughs> yeah. And then I've got to write about his suits. I, mean, I can't make... A man can't... You know, sometimes, like, when I wrote about Mr Kipling, they sent me a pack of French fancies or something. That's all right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But if someone makes you a suit that's worth 500 quid, you've kind of got to go, oh, by the way, thank you very much. What's this terrible suit? Uh, yes, I could see life. God, life is a succession of agonising yeah. decisions. It's I think it's a lovely suit, and I think you look Thank very you. smart. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> um. Anything, anything at all. An, an emergency question, something weird. I mean, literally. Well, I anything. had the tea tasting and fly fishing. That was You're my joking. Big, I had no, right. down, but I knew I'd be dangerous. <laughs> I had to down with the Harold Meeker bit because that seemed a very suspicious uh, Yeah, yeah, that's particularly, uh, particularly um, wrong. If you had to ask uh, a celebrity guest an emergency question, <laughs> what emergency question would you ask them? That, that's a very good emergency question. I'd say... Um, um, describe the work of Stuart Lee... <laughs> In no fewer than a hundred <laughs> charming adjectives. No Pl- fewer? Pl- please, no fewer than. You, who's going to go ask that? Have you booked next week's? Uh, next week it's um, going to be either the. Well, it's on the. Uh, no, it's, uh, it's Daro Breen. Yeah, who's because that's got I don't, know, I don't know why I thought the way I went for Ahmed who's been on it before. Uh, Daro Breen and Ross Noble and okay. not uh, not. Why did I go for homage, Lily? What's gone? My brain's broken down. It's all that running and... It is. It's not, I'm very, very tired. It's hard to run 13.1 miles whilst eating fondant fancies <laughs> and worrying about what you wear oh, and simultaneously I had, podcasting. And I had... Um, I'd forgotten I'd had a stick of licorice in my pocket. You never? No. I did, no. During the run. Oh, oh it was very good. Mile 10. I remembered. 
Out it popped, did it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was very nice. Do you oh, have any unusual phobias? It. it was really, That's... really hot and it slowly melted inside. And someone <laughs> running behind it going, that comedian in the white shorts who writes for Metro has the most worrying stain slowly. <laughs> well, there was a point straight away afterwards poos. where yeah. a, little, a little boy... It was very hard. There was a little boy who was too young to read, I would say, and I had my name written on my shirt, said, well, go on, Richard... And, he, and I go, how did he know my name? Can he read? He obviously wouldn't know. I doubt he's a fan of my work. But then I was really worried. I kind of went, hey, to him back. And I thought, I probably have really black licorice teeth and have, have, yeah, yeah. <laughs> have terrified that child for the rest of his life. Yeah, well, he's probably a big fan of your work. He, he might probably, be. Yeah, he probably reads... His dad probably brings the, brings the Metro home for him at night. <laughs> I brought the Metro home for you. It's the one with Richard's column in have you got any unusual phobias? You better have one because this is the last question and it's got to be brilliant. And if you haven't got one, it's going to make the podcast look ridiculous. <laughs> any unusual... It has to be an unusual phobia. Um, oh, yeah. I absolutely... Do you know when shops in their windows, they stick up stuff that sort of advertises what they do. For instance, a news agent might have a sort of montage of some newspapers. Yes. Right, or a, but a you know, kebab shop or something, or a delivery vans, they might have photographs on it of things like lettuce and tomatoes. Essentially, photographs of perishable items that are definitely now no longer exist. <laughs> yes. Makes me absolutely sort of shudder. So walking, there's a kebab shop near me. At the window, there's like pictures of tomatoes and lettuce and meat yeah. and stuff that's... Goodness knows what state it's in now. It's, you know, probably long beyond compost. So the sight of photographs of something fresh that I know now is no longer in that. There's a sort of... Uh, yeah. What's the Oscar Wilde thing? Dorian sort of grey thing. Yeah. See, that lettuce can't look like that now. It's been on the window for three years or whatever. Uh, that, I go, oh, God, it's the bloody lettuce. Uh, so that... <laughs> That, I mean, that must be a weird phobia, is, I'd have thought. Is that, is that weird enough? Yeah. That's definitely weird enough. That is the best yet. I'll be driving along and we'll overtake a sort of brakes lorry or something like that. And, and I'll go, oh, God. And Rachel, what is it? Have you locked the back door? What's the matter? I'll go, oh, the bra- oh, look at the brakes van and whatever. Oh, and lettuce, it's disgusting. That'll be, God, it won't look like that. It'll be rotten, I'll tell you. It'll be rotten. Some, oh, some, the proper photographer probably ate it and he shattered out now. So we just, oh... <laughs> Oh, what a dis- oh, imagine driving that lorry. That's disgusting. I'm going to look in your wing mirrors and seeing lettuce on the side. Oh, God, disgusting. So you're afraid of the transience of living yeah. matter. Yeah. yeah. So if you yeah. see a picture of a long dead person, do you think, oh, no, they're probably a skeleton now? If you see a historical... Uh, bizarrely, no, it seems to be mainly just... Not, not people, <laughs> but just perishable shop goods. Yeah, because you yeah. imagine you have, have to eat it now. You yeah. imagine you go into the shop... And they'd serve up. And yes, go, is it? yeah, exactly. That's that a weird dream. I'd like the lettuce the... you've got in the window, please. <laughs> oh, somebody's come for the lettuce. <laughs> and they'd come upstairs, there'd be just some appalling thing that's sort of just brown and covered. This is the lettuce. And it can't be the lettuce in the window, it's beautiful. This is the lettuce. <laughs> yeah, so that's, for me, I find that frightening. <laughs> Was that the sort of thing you were. <laughs> Dreaming of when, when you wake up. That I've been going one hour thirty five minutes. Been, it's amazing. We've been going. We've done very well. Well, <laughs> you know, so it's this, like running a marathon. It's like running a half marathon. Some people can do it very fast and efficiently. That's yeah. kind of easier when you think about it than running for two hours thirty seven minutes and forty one seconds. They fitted. There were people like 
I was halfway round. There are people who were back home having a cup of tea already. Yeah, that's, that's not impressive, is it? I ran for two hours, 37 minutes, 41 seconds. That's yeah, yeah. a fucking feat of endurance. Yeah, exactly. No, they and are. this is what this has been like today. <laughs> there they may are. have been other interviewers might have done this more succinctly. Uh, we yeah. may have got to the points more quickly. But no one has done an interview as long as this. No, it's, 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 the, it's really about the journey, isn't it? Not <laughs> it the, is. Not the so, um, well, give, can you please give a big round of applause to my lettuce-fearing friend, <laughs> <laughs> Miles Chapp, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you very much. You have been listening to Richard Herring's That's a Square Theatre Podcast with me, Richard Herring, and my guest, Miles Chapp. The music was by Pest, as always. It's always the same bit. Uh, thanks to Orange Market, the British Comedy Guide. Everyone at the Leicester Square Theatre, they're really nice. And Chris Evans, not that one. No, not that one either. Uh, yeah, that one. That's the one. It was produced by Ben Walker. It is a fuzz, go faster, stripe and sky potato production for the internet. Hooray! If you have enjoyed this free podcast and would like to contribute financially to, you know, just me having luxury goods at home and food for my wife and several children that I might have one day, then please do some of these things. You can buy T-shirts uh, from the, <laughs> the podcast at richardherring.cottoncart.com. There's some good ones on there, more to be added. There's ones about Shreks and uh, Keith Fellating, Keith Allen, all sorts of things. You can, of course, get the videos of these podcasts at gofasterstripe.com or come and see my live show, The Meaning of Life. All the dates for this are at www.richardherring.com slash W-A-G-T-D. There's a few uh, left in this year, Peterborough and Cheltenham, uh, coming up in November. Uh, the majority of them are in um, January, February, March and April next year. I have a new show called The Meaning of Life, which is starting, which is going to be going out just on the internet. It's going to be recorded, uh, filmed, uh, and only go to people who are prepared to pay for it. Uh, the first episode of that will be recorded on the 17th of November at the Leicester Square Theatre. It's only £10. Come along and have a look if you like. Thanks for listening. Do tell your friends about all of this stuff. Bye. Don't drink the milk. Don't drink the milk. Don't drink the milk. No, this isn't a podcast about milk. If you like historical intrigue, a bit of culture and a sprinkling of controversy, this one's for you. I'm Rachel Stewart, and I'm travelling around Europe, following the hidden history of everyday things as they're exported through time and around the world, by force, by chance, or by choice. No need to pack your bags. Just subscribe to Don't Drink the Milk wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks very much, richardherring.com slash Rahalastapa for those remaining Rahalastapa dates, Rahalastapa, and richardherring.com slash ballback slash tour to find out all the tour dates for my upcoming stand-up. Would love to see you at those ones. Please book tickets if you can. All right, enjoy another podcast. Don't listen to anyone else's podcast but mine. Stay faithful, and I'll see you on the next one. Bye.